Well, hello, everybody, and welcome out to our podcast. My name's Scott Durfee, joined today, as always, by our good friend and teacher, Mr. Dave Durfee. Say hi, Dave. (laughs) Good to be here, Scott. Uh, It's good to have you with us, too, as always. So, listen, gang, let's take care of uh, a couple of real quick housekeeping items before we dive into our topic today. First off, we want to just say thank you so much. For those who have been engaged and in listening to the podcast, uh, and a special thanks to those of you who have responded and sent uh, notes of encouragement and uh, construction and criticism and everything. We're just really grateful for your participation. We uh, sense that uh, you're uh, really enjoying the things that we're talking about and uh, finding uh, real life application, and that's that's really kind of our one of our many goals that, uh, as we set out to do this. So. He redeems us at gmail.com. Send us your comments. Send us your thoughts. Remember, as you're uh, listening to us on the various podcast outlets that you're liking and uh, maybe even commenting and leaving in a review, uh, those things help a great deal, and we appreciate it very much. So last week and over the last uh, few weeks now, we've been talking about an important topic that uh, will certainly find its way surfacing into I think most all of our uh, discussions going forward, and that, of course, is who we really are. Uh, We began by talking about who we are, uh, a a couple of weeks on that, at least a couple of sessions, and then we move into whose we are as we uh, begin to establish a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our higher power for those in recovery, um, or whoever. Uh, And... You know, as we do this, as we've started to identify who we are and learn who we are and learn our origin, uh, learn about a family name and why that's important, uh, all this is intended to do is to help us understand that who we are is really the essence of everything going forward because that helps us know that I, because of who I am, I can face all things that are placed before me and I can do it successfully. And that helps, uh, helps us to establish that, that uh, faith. So today, uh, we move into a uh, topic that uh, isn't challenging by any means, but it is certainly uh, misunderstood, I think, or mistaught even sometimes, and that is the fall. Uh, We're going to be moving in now to why uh, our humanness, why are we the way we are, why do we face what we face, and why even in the face of all of our efforts and everything else, do we sometimes come up short of our spiritual quests or other things that we're trying to do. Over the last uh, couple of days, Dave, I've had an opportunity to be in a situation like I often am because of my association in the recovery community with a young man who at one point had uh, a a few years of being sober from drugs and alcohol and uh, but since then has uh, just really been facing a lot of difficulty and uh, it doesn't fully or hasn't fully uh, by his own admission understood who he completely is long story short uh, we've uh, spent uh, some pretty hellish uh, hours over the last 24 hours in some pretty dark places with this young man who is just struggling brief background raised by a good family has had plenty of challenges in his life like anybody else but it was raised by a good family he decided to go on a mission and was a great missionary uh, did a fantastic job serving the Lord on his mission, came home, and uh, it's kind of a similar story to mine, came home and began to struggle, 
and uh, he's in his 30s now. He's got a couple of kids, two or three kids, and uh, just he's just life has finally caught up. And uh, one of the things, Dave, uh, and maybe we can uh, move into it from here, but one of the things that he mentioned to me, it was either last night or super early this morning um, when I was talking to him about this, but one of the things that he mentioned was is that he said to me, he says, you know what, I just need God in my life again. I just need to figure out how to get God back in my life. Uh, and he even said it. He says, I guess I just need to kind of remember. He, he didn't say what, who I am, but he said, I just need to remember what I was created for, what this is all about. True words. But nonetheless, Dave, uh, in spite of his struggle, in spite of all of our struggles, no matter how good we are, how good we try to be, there are times in our lives when the fallen man just absolutely has the ability, if we let it, and if our our faith and if our uh, knowledge of who we are is waning at all, just really has the ability, these kinds of things, to tip our lives over. So let's talk about that today, shall we? Well, Scott, it's the, the great test of life is to decide, you know, where we're going to spend uh, our time in uh, this this world, feeding the the wolf of the flesh or feeding the wolf of the spirit. I think we all know that uh, Native American parable about uh, which the the grandfather teaching his grandson, you know, that, that he has two dogs or two wolves inside of him and uh, one, is, one is good and one is evil and that they're always, uh, they're always fighting against each other. And the grandson, thinking about this, finally asks, well, who wins? And the grandfather wisely answers, the one you feed. And that's the great test of life, is that do we spend time taking care of our spiritual needs or are we always focused upon the, the things of the flesh? And I, I appreciate your introduction, Scott. And again, we're talking really about identity here in a way today. We've talked about that we're sons and daughters of God. We've talked about whose we are, that we belong to Jesus Christ through covenant, that we become his sons and daughters. We've talked about being the sons and daughters of uh, Abraham and Sarah through covenant. And uh, now we talk about being sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And uh, it's, it's not, you're right, it's not always comfortable to talk about it. And uh, it seems as though it's somewhat uh, pushed aside. Oftentimes we don't really understand the significance of it. So uh, I'm hoping that today uh, that we can help uh, you and I and help others to uh, understand the, the positive aspects of this part of the plan of redemption. You know, it's one of the... Th- uh, Elder McConkey said three pillars. I've always kind of seen it as one of the three hinges of a door that is so critical in the plan of redemption, which we again fought for in the pre-mortal existence before we were born. So I think understanding the fall and understanding our true identity, identity's everything, identity determines eternity, uh, and understanding that we are human and that we should celebrate our humanness, that the plan of happiness included celebrating our humanness and teaching us to rely upon the atonement of Jesus Christ is critical 
in this uh, spiritual quest that we all have and this uh, most important test, who are we going to choose? Gods of the flesh or God of our spirit? Comes right down to that, doesn't it? I mean, that's basically, uh, you know, the bottom line, gods of the flesh or gods of the spirit. And there's no question the difficulty is for me, it has been, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is being able to put enough energy or momentum behind my quest to uh, really tune in to my life uh, as gods of the spirit, with gods of the spirit. Uh, and it can, it, it, and the natural man really makes that even difficult sometimes too. And it, so what I'm kind of re- relating to, and I had this with this young man that I'm talking to, when I say young man, he's in his late 30s, but with this young man that I talked to last night, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we think about is, you know, I just keep making a mistake. I just keep screwing up. I just keep making a mistake. And so people think, and I've been there uh, too, you know, where you think at, at some point, is it all natural, man? And, and and the reason we think that is because it is easy to get clouded. It is easy for that God of the flesh, if you as, or however you put that. It's easy for us, because we are natural men, to kind of incline ourselves towards that. And it seems like sometimes when that happens, that that really has the ability to kind of override everything else in our lives. And it can be a real problematic avalanche, spiritual avalanche, if you will, that just kind of gains momentum the wrong way if we don't interrupt that or remember, remember, and we get back to that word again from a couple of episodes ago, but, you know, we'll get back to remembering really who we are and who he is and remembering that the fall, Dave, may have actually been put there, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because I know it was, put there for our ability to progress, not just in the life to come, but also also in this life, right? Yeah, definitely. It's part of our progression. But it is it is critical, Scott, that we confess that we are natural men. It's so critical in our progress that we we confess it and that we accept it. Yeah. That it, it is part of the plan. I love this I love this amazing scripture in Mosiah 3:19, which I think most members of the church know. And uh, for non-members, it's something for them to really consider. Uh, King Benjamin says, writes, For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam. The truth is, Scott, we are all natural men. Right. And and we are all part of nature. And we, Isaiah said this, and then uh, Amulek quotes Isaiah in Mosiah 14, all we like sheep have gone astray. Yeah. At times in our life, we are all, we have been enemies to God. We are every time that we sin, every time that we, that we mess up. And then he goes on, and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever, unless he does really two things. He yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. Um, I, I just really think, Scott, that uh, identifying the, the, the nature of humanness in all of us uh, is critical in understanding the importance of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life and learning to rely upon him and also upon the Holy Spirit, upon the Comforter, 
I, every person that's ever been born, Scott, was born with the light of Christ. Not only were they valiant spirits, everyone that has a body was a valiant spirit and, and fought and defended the plan of redemption and accepted Jesus as their Savior before they were born, but they were also promised that they would receive the light of Christ and that the light of Christ would be with them to identify good from evil. And every person in this world, Scott, is entitled from time to time to have the Holy Spirit with them in times to protect them, to comfort them. I, every day I pray recently for people in Ukraine that they would be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Right. Yep. God has given us these gifts to help us to not just uh, get by, not just to uh, get through this world, but to actually to thrive and to learn to learn lessons by experiencing the fall as we turn to him and rely upon the Holy Spirit and the atonement of Christ. You know, I, it occurs to me a lot of times I think about the fall in terms of my own life, right? In terms of why are things so struggle for me? Why do I keep revisiting the same whatever challenge it is that's in my life, right? And it comes up again and again and again, or they come up, whatever. And I'm not talking about anything specific. I'm trying to make a general point. Because uh, at the end of this general point, here's what I, I really, my observation has become quite acute to this. Um, over the last several years, especially when I say several, maybe over the last 24 years now, as I've been engaged in my recovery process as, you know, a member of an active, uh, an active member of a recovery program, um, 12-step program. But, you know, the thing that it occurs to me there, too, is, is it's like this natural man thing can affect me not just because of my actions, but because of the actions of others. In other words, you know, I have kids, you have kids, and you know, and I have great kids, and so do you. But those great kids sometimes uh, yeah. it can be difficult watching kids be adults, and uh, you know, and sometimes I think. I, I think parents, and, and the, my experience has been this with parents and spouses and everything else in these situations, parents a lot of times have a really difficult time seeing this as any kind of a blessing. Any kind, in, in fact, I've heard a lot of parents say, it's my fault. You know, yeah. what did I do wrong to have a kid mess up like this, you know, and stuff like that. Well, not only, not only is it hard to watch them sometimes grow up and become adults, but sometimes it's hard to watch them as children and what happens to them as children that's right you know we're the world has become so so far to the um, to the extreme in its in its uh, evil leanings that it's just hard to watch sometimes even your children your small children go through the things that they go through uh, the abuse that they might suffer or the bullying that they go through or the the things that they're taught i mean the scott the world is just um so influential on each of our lives but especially children if we're not careful about how we how we uh teach them and and the things that they view and the things that they watch and and sometimes even doing that you can't you can't protect them we now live i i heard an apostle say this uh, in a meeting that I attended when I was a branch president at the MTC, he said, uh, we now live in a world that is more wicked than it is righteous. And if you try to raise your children 
in this world, and you don't do a better job teaching the atonement of Jesus Christ than you do teaching the commandments of God, you're going to lose your children yeah. because they're not going to keep all the commandments. And, and that's not only true, but people are going to sin against them. Yeah. And, uh, if Meaning they, against the kids. Right? Yes, yeah. against the yeah. children. Yeah. And if we, don't, if we don't teach them the importance of relying upon the atonement of Jesus Christ and how he covers them unconditionally for the sins committed against them and conditionally by through repentance based on the sins they commit, yeah. wow, that's the, that's the most important thing we can teach our children. But we also need to teach them that this 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 fall in this wicked world that we live in was something that we chose and fought over to to come down and to experience. So you're telling me that we chose to come to this life, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek. I know it's true, but you know we chose to come to this life. We knew it would be difficult. We probably didn't have a clear, concise depiction of what it would be like. We had to conceptualize all this, right? We didn't have bodies to have any kind of re- re- relation to, uh, you know, what it is that we were told that we were going to be experiencing. But then well, we, well, we we cognitively understood, yeah. but we couldn't have possibly experientially. Uh, understood until we experienced it. So what what would what would put us in a situation like that there to have enough trust to be like okay I'm going to take your word on it. We obviously had a extremely clear concise glimpse of who we were or of who we are. We obviously had a complete understanding of who he was at that point, right? We didn't understand what was about to take place. Not fully, cognitively we did, but it hadn't taken place yet. And but you know, and we get back to a couple of weeks ago and I and I don't and I don't want to digress to this, but you know, we get back to a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about how the atonement, how the how the atonement was covered retroactively and ahead of us as well, right? And so all of this is covered, but you know, we still struggle sometimes with our own relationship with that fall. Yeah, for sure, Scott. And I think the advantage that we had there was that we could get a glimpse yeah. of uh, the beginning to the end. And we understood that uh, maybe not everyone would experience the full blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ here, but they would experience the atonement of Jesus Christ here. Every person that is born on this earth, Scott, is blessed by the atonement of Jesus Christ. I don't care where they're born. I don't care who they're born to, or what religion or not religion that they that they uh, identify with. Every person that's born on this earth is blessed by the atonement of Jesus Christ, and we understood that, and we understood that He would suffer for what we would suffer, not only suffer for our sins, but suffer for our pains and our sicknesses, and we understood that that the atonement would cover us, and if. In this life, if if we went through this life, and we never had the opportunity to accept the fullness of the Jesus, of Jesus Christ, or if we did and we failed in it, that it wasn't the end, that there would still be opportunities in the spirit world, that there would be opportunities, perhaps even beyond that, I don't know, but that we would have every opportunity to accept all of the blessings and the full effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ by making and keeping uh, covenants with him. And so we, we, we understood that, and we were, we were willing to say, okay, uh, we'll experience hell, 
in order to gain heaven. Mm-hmm. This is a celestial world. And uh, God, God was willing, not, not only willing, but it was a necessary part of the plan of redemption that we, that we experienced some pretty terrible things. And the Adam and Eve... We won't, we won't talk about necessarily the events of the fall uh, and their decision and, uh, to partake uh, and how Eve was beguiled and, and uh, Adam persuaded and, and uh, all of that. We won't, we won't go into that so much in this, in this podcast, but Adam and Eve uh, did a great favor uh, for all of us. And that we understood that because of what they did, that it allowed us great blessings and experiences here that would help us to become more like our Heavenly Father. Yeah. Kind of hard to understand, though. You know, sometimes when uh, when people, and I've seen this and I've had this in my own life, too, it's, it's hard sometimes to, it's difficult to make the decision to embrace that, what you just said, uh, because when we are in the... Uh, I don't know how else to put it, but when we are in the throes of addiction, when we are in the throes of depression, or when we, whatever it is, whatever it is that the atonement—and it doesn't matter; it doesn't have to be extreme. It can be a, a something that seems big, but may not seem big to others too. I mean, whatever it is inside of our souls that's going on, uh, you know, the atonement is there for us to uh, to help us heal. And 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 that's you know what you said about uh, the atonement. Uh, has effect on every single person that's living uh, is so evident in uh, to me and to those that understand, I think, and I'm not proclaiming that I understand this completely or wholly, but those that have some understanding, it's even it's even sometimes, even sometimes when when uh, all hell has broke loose, when the world seems to be raging against us, when there seems to be little hope for peace or clarity in our lives, even then, even then, the atonement is working in our lives. And sometimes it's just a matter of acknowledging that and, uh, you know, getting back again. And we talk about, I've talked about these steps from uh, the 12-step programs, you know, getting back to those steps, you know, being willing to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand Him. And, you know, and I might add, parenthetically, uh, having a desire to understand Him more. You know, one of the things that we face in life, and, you know, and I'm just going to read a little tiny bit out of a a book called the uh, big book of alcoholics anonymous one of the things that we sometimes struggle with in life is uh, you know finding a solution and how that works right how these things work and you know part of all of this this goes through and talks about how it works and then it says our description of the alcoholic the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas a, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. We talk about that, right? Uh, and that's that's out of the Scripture. The, all of this actually, by the way, anecdotally comes, most of it, from the uh, Beatitudes taught uh, by the Savior. B, that probably no human power could have re- relieved our alcoholism. And you can remove that word alcoholism and put anything, mm-hmm. any care of the world. You can put uh, my depression. You can put my victim, you know, what happened to me when I was a little kid. You can put my divorce. You can put my challenge at work. Work. You can even put things in there as seemingly insignificant to some as, you know, how am I going to handle getting my kids to school and grocery shopping and all of those other things all mm-hmm. done in one day. It doesn't have to be some magnanimous, pro- you know, huge problem. And then B, as C, this is the point, that God could 
and would if he were sought. And, you know, and I think that's the problem with sometimes, you know, this fall creates not just in alcoholics, not just in addicts, but in every fallen person. So that excludes nobody. That is completely inclusive of everybody that's ever lived. But, you know, but what that sometimes do is I sometimes know I have faith that God can and I have faith that God will. But for me, not sometimes, you know, sometimes that I know he would and I know he could for you, but I just don't know if he would for me because I screwed up so bad. I've made this mistake over and over and over again. And when, at what point is God going to be so mad at me when it's like, you know what, Scott, you're taking this fall thing too far. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that a lot, you know, with uh, just, just because of our human nature sometimes. Well, uh, the fall has no favorites, Scott. The fall has no favorites. And... And even even prophets are fallen. They see themselves as fallen. They've seen themselves as natural men, enemies to God. They see themselves as as uh, having uh, evil natures through the flesh. It's so interesting. I think this is my favorite prayer in the scriptures. Is the brother of Jared in Ether chapter three when he's praying when he's. Uh, after he's been to- asked by the Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do so that you'll have light in your ships and your barges? Yeah. And he, he, he offers this prayer. It's so powerful to hear him, and, I, and he means it. He's sincere, and, he, and I believe he really means every word of this, Scott. He prays, O Lord, thou hast said that we must be encompassed about by the floods. Now behold, O Lord, and do not be angry with thy servant, because of his weakness before thee, the fall made all of us weak. And then he says, For we know that thou art holy and dwellest in the heavens, and that we are unworthy before thee. Because of the fall, this is the brother of Jared, who in a moment is going to see the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit, in his pre-mortal state. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how faithful, how much faith, how, much, how good is he to be able to have this experience? But he confesses that he is unworthy, and then he says, because of the fall, our natures have become evil continually. Scott, he doesn't say that he's evil. He says that our natures in the flesh are evil continually. We are never going to be free in this life of the temptations and poles that we face every day through the flesh. We're never going to be free from it. No. Every day we're going to experience this. Uh, Nephi, when he cries out in Second Nephi chapter 4, Oh, wretched man that I am. Wow. If Nephi's wretched, I know. Who are you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> who am I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got that right. And and you know, and I think though that sometimes as we see words like unworthy and wretched, and, you know, like I stand unworthy before God and I'm a wretched man and you know those those things start taking on a connotation that I think gets a little bit misconstrued. Right. We when we say and when when he's saying I stand unworthy before thee, that doesn't mean he's not saying 
I don't, uh, I don't believe that you'll be able to help me. I don't, what he's saying is he's recognizing his own powerlessness in a situation and recognizing the Lord's powerfulness or his ability, his all, um, his complete power in order to, to rectify or fix any situation, whether that's lights in a boat or a messed up psyche or brain or addiction or whatever, uh, he has the ability to change all those things. And so when we go before him, and we and when Ether say or when he when he's saying the brother Jared when he's saying I'm unworthy when we stand before you unworthy I think sometimes we misconstrue that as unworthy is unacceptable yeah yeah good point and again I want to emphasize we are dual beings we're dual beings and when he says because of the fall my nature or our nature all of our natures are evil continually he's not saying we're evil not at all. No. Now, I know Nephi from time to time feels wretched, and, and, and so do I, and so do you, and so do we all. But it's important to understand that in our spirit, that our spirits are inherently good. It's, it's important to understand that we are naturally evil because of the flesh, but we are inherently righteous and good because of our spirits. Yeah. And that inherently component, at some point, when it begins to override the natural component, exactly. that's when, when... you feed that, yeah. when you feed that wolf instead of the that's other, right. yeah. it makes all the difference in our life, Scott. But so many people don't... For example, um, maybe this is a place to share this, this experience. Uh, the man who comes in to me when I was serving as a bishop and confesses a, a long addiction of uh, pornography, and I know this man. He's a, he's a wonderful man. He's served in wonderful, important positions uh, in our ward. And uh, he confesses the sin of pornography, and as he's confessing this, God, he keeps he keeps saying, "I desire, I desire this, I desire that." Sometimes I, anyway, he's describing this, and I'm going, "Who who is this person? Uh, I th- I thought I knew him. I I do know him. He's been this. He's been that. He has this beautiful family." And finally, I put up my hand and I stopped him, and I said, "So so just a minute." You, you keep using the word desire to describe your, your addictions and your behaviors. What if you use the word temptation instead of using the word desire? I was just uncomfortable the way he was describing his, his uh, sin and the way he was describing himself. I didn't know really what I was asking, Scott, but as he sat there and I watched him ponder this, the lights I could see the lights come on. And his lights got a little bigger, and he set up a little straighter, and he said, so what you're saying is, I'm not a scumbag? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. You are not a scumbag. Tell me, what is the deepest desires of your heart? What's the deepest desires of your heart? And he described beautifully, he got really emotional, and described beautifully that uh, he wanted to have a forever family. And I said, okay, so that's what I thought. And then he said, so what you're saying is that this is coming from an outside source. And I said, yeah, it, it's a temptation. It's, a, it, it's coming from an outside source for sure. And then he said, 
So what you're saying is, I can beat this. I can overcome this. And I said, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. You can never overcome this until you learn to rely upon Jesus Christ and his atonement. Yeah. And as he said that, he shrunk a little bit lower, and we could then begin to discuss you know, how he could become a saint by relying upon the atonement yeah. of Jesus Christ. And it, it was a changing point for him, and I'm happy to, to tell you he about lost his, his family, but he was able to, uh, to overcome that and, uh, and, and still has his beautiful family, and, and uh, I trust they'll be together forever. So uh, what a powerful story. And, 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 you know, and we all have stories. We've all heard stories or been that guy ourselves. You know, the names are different. The circumstances are different. But we all have those experiences in our lives. It's how we approach those experiences. I'm so glad he approached it the way. You know, you, 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 Deb and I, um, my wife, uh, my angel wife, and I had the opportunity to teach an institute class uh, at a young single adults ward at BYU every Wednesday night. And, and that's been uh, kind of the highlight of my life. I just love being there with those young, bright minds and uh, hearing, you know, when we sing hymns, it's like it's belted out. You know, you've been around it more mm-hmm. than I have. It's just such yeah. an awesome, wonderful spiritual experience. For sure. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and one of the things that is I heard you tell that story, you know, when the guy says, and, I, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I can relate. I think all of us can. You know, when he said, so you're saying I'm not a scumbag. Is that what he, is that what he yeah. said? Something along those lines. So you're saying I'm not a scumbag. It's funny. It's not funny. Ha ha. It's really interesting. It's peculiar how sometimes we, we think that we're a scumbag. Yeah. You know, because of something that's going on or not going on in our lives. You know, we we, uh, we talk about this very thing in our institute class, uh, this very topic. In fact, we use a book, uh, you know, from Elder Anderson, the, the Divine Gift of Forgiveness. That is the curriculum that we use. And it's it's wholly dependent. I mean, it wholly focuses on the atonement, on redemption, on healing, on all of that. And I've seen lives change, literally lives change because of their reading and applying the principles in that book. But when we talk about this stuff and we say, you know, it's just a matter of, and, and we say it as we say it like that sometimes, I know I do. Hey, it's just a matter of applying the atonement. It's just a matter of getting God in your life. It's just a matter of whatever. And when I put that word just there, it's like I had a guy say to me, you make it sound easy when you say you just have to do it that way. And, you know, so I have to be careful not to make it seem that way because I know it feels big. And that's one of the questions that comes up in our class constantly. Uh-huh. You know, you say apply it, you say bring, yeah. you know, and the question comes up, uh, well, how do I do that? Let me let me uh, respond to that because I got that question a lot when I was teaching Scott, and and uh, I this is what I've learned. Uh, President Iring has said, whenever you feel the Holy Ghost in your life, you know the atonement of Jesus Christ is doing its work. So I've asked my students that instead of just focusing on the abstract of you just got to apply the atonement of Christ in your life, I've told them focus more on getting the Holy Spirit in your life because if you have the Holy Ghost in your life, the atonement is being applied, you are being forgiven, you are being strengthened and enabled, 
you are receiving mercy. Just focus on getting the spirit and the influence of the Holy Ghost in your life. Focus on that. Now, I know there's more to getting the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life by accessing it through repentance, through ordinances and covenants, and all of all of that, so many other ways. But I think I think our students and our children would be better served that instead of saying, uh, you just got to get the atonement in your life, yeah. we need to start saying, we need to live by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Right. We need to walk in the Spirit. Right. We need to talk in the Spirit. We need to think with the Spirit and act more in the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. That's how we get the atonement in our life. Yeah. And, you know, that comforter, and that's what it's called, right? We go to the book of John, and the comforter, which shall come, you know, uh, the comforter will rem- bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. Yep. And one of the things he said to us is, come unto me. Another thing that he has said to us is, I have paid for these things, so you would not have to right? if you come to me, and so on. So, you know, we, we, we have all this, but... Uh, I think that's wise, wise, wise direction, Dave, is, uh, you know, when we are, and, and this is one of the things that I've really been focusing on, too. You know, there's a couple things in my life that I'd like to get better. And, uh, you know, focusing on my relationship with the Savior would certainly make those things better. And I know that, and, and we've been taught, I teach this. I mean, you know, when I do public speaking sometimes, I teach that what we focus on expands. Right, and if we focus on I'm fallen, if we focus on I'm a screw up, if we focus on all those things, then naturally that focus draws mm. our attention to that. But if we focus on our relationship with our heavenly Father through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and what that meaning has in our lives, it's interesting how that just that you know, and one of the descriptions of repentance is turning our back on yeah. or away from, I should say, turning away from something. You know, and if as we turn away from that and stop focusing on the problem, stop focusing on the fallen and I start focusing on the solution. In other words, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he's done, and I get that comfort through the Holy Spirit, and I know that God's in charge of all of it. Uh, it helps. Absolutely, Scott. Um, so I, I, I'm thinking right now, again, of a scripture in Mosiah uh, chapter uh, 4 when you know, here is a whole group of people who, as a result of King Benjamin's address, have been uh, forgiven of their sins, have received a peace of conscience. That's all described in Mosiah chapter 4, verse 2. And uh, they, I would say that they've been not only justified, but they've probably been sanctified. I don't know. But these are, these are people who have repented, who uh, have become worthy, and who who have really accessed the power of Christ in their life and, and received the Spirit. And it, and it describes that in verse, uh, verse 3. And then over in verse 5, it, uh, King Benjamin begins to speak unto them, and it says, For behold, if the knowledge of the goodness of God at this time has awakened you to a sense of your nothingness, we could say your fallen nature, your fallen state, if, if the goodness of God has awakened you to a sense of your nothingness and your worthless and fallen state, then I say unto you, ye have come to a knowledge of the goodness of God and his matchless power and his wisdom and his patience and his long suffering towards the children of men, and also the atonement which has been prepared from the foundation of the world. And then later in verse 11, 
he he encourages them. He says, uh, commands them that I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance mm-hmm. the greatness of God and your own nothingness. There it is again, and the goodness and long suffering towards you. Get this, unworthy creatures. Yeah. They've just been justified, sanctified, forgiven of their sins, and he's calling them unworthy creatures. And humble yourselves, even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come. Well, which was the atonement of Jesus Christ. The the birth and the suffering of Christ. So I, I, even when we're, you know, I used to have students all the time come in, Scott, into my office while I was teaching the repentance and forgiveness class, and um, they would come in and they would say, I think I've repented and I think I've been forgiven, but I just can't quit thinking about it. And, and I can't believe I was tempted by that same sin yesterday. I thought I was forgiven, and I thought it was behind me, and I thought I had overcome it. But I was just tempted with that same sin yesterday. What is wrong with me? Yeah. I must be terrible. And I would look at them and kind of smile and, and uh, feel their pain and say, you know, uh, welcome to the club. Yeah, welcome to the club. Uh, Satan will never. Uh, well, now it's a blessing that we don't forget our sins, so that we don't make the same mistakes. Sure. So that's a good thing. Sure. But Satan can also use the sins of the past against us, yep. and Saint Satan can use the flesh, and he continually tempts us, Scott. And just because we're tempted doesn't mean that we're evil. No. It means that we're fallen. It means that we are in a, a celestial world. And we need to kind of celebrate that more and accept that. And I think it would take a lot of pressure off of us thinking that we are just bad people. Yeah. <laughs> instead of instead of kind of celebrating the idea that Heavenly Father w- knew I was going to sin. Heavenly Father knew I was going to be surrounded by sin. This is all part of the plan. And if I do experience sin, or if I think about sinning, and I'm tempted by sinning, or I mess up, God's not surprised by that. He has given me a Savior and a Redeemer. Yeah. Not only is he not surprised by that, but he hasn't changed in his attitude towards me or you or anybody else because of it period. He just doesn't. He loves us exactly, perfectly, before, after, and during all of the stuff that we're going through. You know, one of the things, David, we, we, we're getting close to wrap-up time, but uh, you know, what? I just want to share this real quick. I think one of the things that really can rob us of our serenity, of our peace, of our connection with our Heavenly Father— actually can even rob us sometimes of our uh, understanding our our concept of who we really are spiritually is comparison, right? I mean, because we see, we we judge ourselves against other people, and and we judge ourselves, uh, our worst selves, against everybody else's imagined best self, because we don't have any idea, in most cases, what other people are going through. So we may see somebody, you know, who's telling us the things that you just said. 
You know, they may, they may say, hey, you know, we need to celebrate. It's okay. Heavenly Father knew, you know, and all that stuff. And we think that, of course, he did. And we see that work in other people's life. But again, getting back to one of the very first things I started this discussion with today is, but we are comparing our, of course, he would for you. But he's not going to for me because I'm screwing up worse than you. And we're judging ourselves according to and benchmarking ourselves against a misconception that we have of other people's well, greatness. Scott, not only is that natural man, us, yeah. doing that, but this again comes from an outside source, the accuser. The accuser. The accuser puts that in our mind. Yeah. We, we are in a natural state that has allowed Satan to put temptation and thoughts into our minds. So I know that, I know that we do that, but I, I actually believe that much of that comparison and misjudgment comes, again, from an outside source, the accuser, which we talked about 100%. being the title, yeah. one of the titles of Satan. We yeah. talked about that. Yeah, yep. So... I, I think that celebrating our humanness and accepting it can help us to do two things. Number number one, be a little more kind and merciful. Yeah. When we understand that we are the children of Adam and Eve, that we are fallen, lost, carnal, sensual, and devilish. And you can't believe how many prophets teach that in the Book of Mormon and how many living prophets have taught that. We're all fallen. That should make us more kind and merciful. Second, we need to learn how to rely more upon the atonement of Jesus Christ, knowing that as natural men and women, as fallen beings, that we can merit nothing of ourselves, that we are completely, utterly, totally dependent upon upon Jesus Christ for... Uh, our salvation and exaltation. And isn't that awesome? That is the best news ever. That's the good news. That I don't have to work it all out. I have to put my part, right? But it's not all up to me. In fact, it's all up to him. All I have to do is make a decision. I have to make a choice. And when I make that choice, obviously my life will align with the choice. Otherwise, it wasn't really a choice, right? That's the test. Exactly. And that's all the test is. That's the test. Which is just seeing if we'll align because he loves us. He loves us perfectly. He's given us everything that we have now and in the future. And for some of you that are thinking, well, I don't want what I have now. Well, that's good. You're on the right path. Be- I- because turning it over to him will get us right to where uh, all of those things will start to feel more comfortable. I, I loved your thoughts, Scott. Uh, I, it really struck me. Uh, you said uh, what I choose to focus on expands. Yeah. I love that. And uh, you, I, think, I thought about a magnifying glass. And that if I choose to focus upon the natural man, that's going to expand in my life. And I'm, I'm going to... Uh, naturally lean that way and that's more of the natural things of life and the sins and temptations of the flesh are going to uh, fill in the gaps of my life or i can i can choose to focus yeah upon jesus christ and his atonement and we've been commanded to do so look unto me he said in every thought doubt not fear not if we focus if we choose to focus on him I know that that will expand in our life and that 
some of the things of the natural world and natural man things will just kind of fall out of our life as Christ and his atonement expands in our life. That's 100%. 100% accurate. I agree with that completely. We're out of time. Wow, these, these, uh, this time that we get together goes fast, doesn't it? It's, it's such important stuff that we're talking about. I, I hope that there's a, been a couple of takeaways for everybody today. I think one of the main takeaways that I'm going to uh, put back into my life or refocus or reemphasize in my life is just that focus, right? Just just focusing on my relationship with him. And, you know, I'll put, I'm going to put off focusing on all of the changes I need to make in my life. I'm going to put those off till tomorrow. I think today I'm going to focus on my relationship with him. And, and, it, and I'll probably end up doing that tomorrow too. And, you know, and, and I say that kind of as a pattern or a directive, because, you know, as we do it that way, what happens is, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago, at some point when we're in the, the natural man and it's totally consumed us, sometimes it's not uncommon for us to look in the mirror in those uh, empty eyes and say, who are you? And where did you come? How did you get here? But if we focus, change our focus and focus on him, uh, especially in light of our fallenness, uh, you know, it gives us the opportunity. And I've had this opportunity too to look in the mirror, uh, like what I see, and say, you know what, Scott, I love you because I know he does too. What a great time it's been to be with you. Uh, we're grateful uh, for you. We're grateful for your engagement, for your participation. Remember to send us emails at heredeemsus at gmail.com. Thanks for being with us. Look forward to being with you again. Dave, how about you? Yeah, God bless everyone. Hope you have a blessed day. Thank you. All right, thanks. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for being with us. And uh, once again, don't forget to send us emails. Don't forget to like. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends. And if you are so inclined, we sure would love a review from you as well. Have a great and blessed day, everybody. God bless. <laughs>